There came a time, though, that more was being asked of me. And when I used to say yes to it all, I said no. And I paid for that no with write-ups. And I paid for that no with harassment and bullying towards the end of that school year. Welcome to Shout Your Cause with Sally Hendrick, a digital magazine where you can get found, get heard, and get inspired with content that challenges us to be globally minded. Our focus is on raising awareness around social justice issues, cultural differences, and to bring you the people dedicating their lives to tackling challenging topics as their way of giving back. Let us be your advocate to make your voices heard around the world. That's Brianna Henderson, the educator's advocate, as found on various social media platforms. Brianna has been in the school system from private to public education and has been part of the administration as well. During the pandemic, she took a stand against what she describes as harassment and bullying to do more and more with less and less. It didn't go too well for her, so she has branched out to start her own advocacy project for educators to be heard and understood. 15 years in education, uh, totally. My last position was as an assistant principal. And it was in that role that I noticed that there needs to be advocacy for educators that is apart from the system itself. Now, I know that we have unions and all of these other things, but there needed to be a private entity and I wanted to supply that, something that wasn't tied to the system that could really give that type of credibility and um, just voice to educators. So that's where the Educators Advocate was born out of my own need for advocacy and just a need for that space to be filled. So what's the backstory? So um, 2021, I somewhere around February, of that year, we were in the throes of COVID. Um, if you remember coming out of 1920 school year into the 2021 school year. And I had a unique position on the campus as the assistant principal. I was the main administrator. The head principal went to and fro between campuses. So my plate was extremely full, but I loved what I was doing. There came a time, though, that more was being asked of me. And when I used to say yes to it all, I said no. And I paid for that no with write-ups. And I paid for that no with harassment and bullying towards the end of that school year. And then there came a need for even legal attention to help sort out that particular situation. And, you know, we can even get deeper into the details there. But when I looked around for advocacy or someone to see where I was coming from with what was happening at the campus level between me and the supervisor at that time, there was none. The people who were saying that they were supposed to support me, they were not. They were supporting the leadership of that campus. And so I said to myself, this is not only a problem because it's happening to me, it's a problem because I know that it is happening with educators across, you know, across the board. So that's where the idea of advocacy was born. And that's where all of the resources that I myself needed accumulated and um, what supported me during that transition, I now use to help other educators. But yeah, I needed it for myself. So now I am able to give it to others. 
would you rather work or would you rather play? If we're going to go through all of this business building stuff, it better be for something that we love doing, right? Take a moment to do this quick life purpose challenge to discover what makes you truly happy. It's free. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash life purpose. Well, that makes a lot of sense because you that's where all of these life coaching type of things come from, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. We don't do this unless we have experience something with something overcome something and so I really appreciate that that is the exact type of people I'm trying to reach with Mm -hmm. this podcast Mm -hmm. but I love seeing the ones who rise to the top and actually do something about it yes yeah yeah and it's not easy Sally and you and I know that um when you're when you come through scenarios and situations where you're challenged the most, where you question all that there is, especially related to your career, where you're threatened with your character being, um, you know, assassinated and or just looked at in a different way, these things are hurtful. And um, people need someone to talk to about that just at the base level. Um, just as in a human being level. And and I, I think that that's important and I'm so glad that I'm able to serve in that way. Brianna is rising to the challenge to help educators who feel stuck, not sure who to trust, or just need some advice on which direction to turn. Listen to some of the scenarios that she helps with. When educators reach out, many of them have heard my story, much like um, you have, just through any of the platforms that they're able to view on. And so a typical scenario would be calling me up, saying, Brianna, I'm in need of, I know that I need your services. And all that is, is sometimes an exit plan. Sometimes that is coaching through a scenario of, should I get legal attention? Or should I just go ahead and leave this scenario alone, let it be, and just move on to another district or campus? And so it really depends on where they are and what they need. And I take them through my 10 steps checklist for the career changing educator, which is a a checklist that I created based on where I've been and been able to see exactly where um, our educators are. Because Sally, there's no profession like education in that we so intertwine ourselves with the work. And when we talk about leaving, we're talking about a loss that feels like a family member loss. You know, it's not a move. It's not a careless decision that they're making. So when they come to me, they appreciate that I've been there, done that. I know the lingo and language and I can truly speak to where they are. Do you want to stand out from the crowd with your content? Come discover how to market yourself as an expert, as a change maker, as a positive influence on other people's lives. With the Exponential Marketing Club, you will learn the ins and outs of content marketing that makes a difference in the world. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash club. Can we speak to some of the things that may be going on system-wide, systematically, Granted, there's political agendas going on. There's a lot of things that are happening. What is your take on what's happening with legislation around teachers, the unions that are, you know, whatever's happening there? What about all of this? 
mm, probably false pretext about CRT and other things like that. What's going on? Oh man, uh, you name it. So here, here's the thing. When there's an opportunity to capitalize and or exaggerate issues, we, we're finding that going on right now. Some of it is an over-exaggeration. Some of it is very, very um, clear that there is an agenda that many aren't publicly speaking about. Um, but I'm looking at education and have been for a while now. It's a business of, it's a big dollar business. And at the end of the day, there are political agendas that are more into the system of it all and the process instead of the people. Educators that I talk to, we're hands-on with the people and that's where the love is. But this is a system and the system itself is cold and does not care for uh, it's the persons who are involved, especially at the grassroots level where teachers are. So when you have unions who are looking at and talking with educators, who are then sometimes a part of that system and or not, you know, it just depends um, on who you speak with. But we're talking federally, we're talking from Washington and um, its agenda that's pushed down to the state level. And then the state level having its own way of dealing with things, depending on the monies that the state state receives, depending on who's in office, depending on if they're wanting to get reelected to office. <laughs> so it, it, you, you just have um, this whole trickle down effect, if you will, of how our system is really, really breaking, even more so exasperated by COVID. And um, we saw it before then, but more so even now. Parent involvement, parents' needs, parents, and some of it is beautiful, then some of it is detrimental to what's going on in the classroom. And um, what's being asked of the educator, this is the greatest point in all of this. What's being asked of the educator now is in short, ridiculous. And um, that's the word I'll just stick with, <laughs> ridiculous. Can you ex elaborate a little bit more yeah. on like anything that specifically that is ridiculous and real examples? Yeah, yeah. So educators who uh, this year we've gotten more away from the virtual and the in-classroom, and that's in some states even in some districts. But when an educator is asked to duplicate themselves to an online presence and an in-classroom presence, instead of just having a, a teacher who's dedicated to virtual teaching and a teacher who is dedicated to in-person, that teacher is split in that way. And the nuances and needs of that, those students who they you know, teach is totally different. So it's everything I was doing times two. And then, of course, we have here in the state of Texas, the bill that was passed regarding our students need to be able to read by the third grade level. And so we're going to then educate all teachers K through three with what are called reading academies. Well, the reading academies are on your own time modules that you need to attend. And so these are more hours taken away from the educator than they already had. And then, of course, we have the shortage of teachers in the classroom. There are teachers who are leaving. And so teachers are having to cover other teacher classes. They're having to double up with classes. There aren't um, enough subs or if there are subs, it's just um, so those are just a few examples of 
how it becomes ridiculous for what you're asking a teacher to do and the time that is allotted with the resources that they have. It just becomes um, ridiculous. So let me go into a different perspective a little bit. Yes. Let's say that I'm the devil's advocate. Okay. I'm going to say, well, what about the needs or not the needs, but what about the challenges that the administrators are feeling, the school board is getting, where does that come into play? You obviously know what the administrative side has to deal with. Oh, yeah. So what is it that you think the administration is missing or what is it you think maybe where, what is something maybe you're empathetic about from the administrator's side? So tell us about that, because knowing the challenges of the people that you are maybe getting a lot of heat from Mm -hmm. usually helps you have an advantage when you're trying to get something in, in your favor. Oh, for sure. For sure. So here's what I know from the administrator at the campus level, and then I'll go up from there. Uh, campuses have more autonomy that you know of as it relates to what the district's overall goals are and mandates are. At the campus level, you may find something going on at one campus in, in the same district elementary than another elementary campus. So our ability to shield a lot of that weight coming from the top, there is the ability to do that there. So that's number one, even as a campus administrator, there was, I remember one initiative, there were several initiatives coming down, but I looked at two of those and I said, these two, we don't need to do. And I was a voice in the room to be able to say, yeah, we need to leave these off. I know that we have to do these three, but these others, we don't need to do not this year. We don't need to load them down with that. So that's one thing that an administrator can do that I don't know that they're doing or even know that they can do, especially a new administrator to the campus. You're just wanting to please the people who just hired you, you know, perhaps. But so you have there at the campus level. Then above that is the district level who is talking to the state. And so there are conversations that even superintendents are having right now, whether to close schools, especially at the height of COVID, whether to open them, whether to start online or whether, you know, the first four weeks instead of going in person. So there are conversations that they're having that they can say, hey, this is what's best for kids at our level. And you get enough of them saying that and agreeing, then there has to be a stop to what's being pushed down. So we can use our voice. And that's what I want to be able to do for educators, because I know it's being done at the top or can be done. Another thing that I wonder about, if you're in the school, you're going to know way more about your student population and your teacher population and staff and so forth and their needs versus somebody who's sitting, you know, two hours away in an office building, not even knowing anybody's names right yeah so I know that that's really important but what what happens if if you were sitting on the school board for example and you've got a very heated meeting with parents yeah and you're dealing with something that probably has a lot of uh let's say it's been blown out of proportion maybe Mm -hmm. we had a lot of those 
incidences over the last couple of years yeah. with school boards, with mask mandates, with yeah. all the stuff with COVID, but it goes beyond that. There's every yeah. year, all the time, there's something going on somewhere. Texas, for example, there's a lot of situations going on. You hear about it on the news all yeah. the time with yeah. the Magnolia ISD, the yeah. South Lake ISD or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. and all of these other issues that are happening and these what does a school board member have to do in that type of situation? Yeah, the school boards um, are unique. And I know that many of them operate, they operate differently. But here's what I know that districts who are being most effective do. What they allow for is school board members to first be former educators, um, which helps. Not all of them have to be, but it it gives a different perspective that is unique if there are um, former educators. Also, parents um, to be part of the school board as well to give that unique perspective. And so school boards, if you're in a scenario much like you just shared where there are irate parents and it seems like an issue is being blown out of proportion, number one, many people just want to be heard. They want to share and tell their story. So let that forum be there for them to share and tell their story. And if there is indeed a violation that has taken place, actually handle it. That breeds trust. If there is not, speak to it as well, because that also breeds trust and we need more of that. And so school boards have to really be the voice of not only the campus, but the parents. But don't forget that you're not, you don't belong tonight, either one. It's both of them collaboratively. So they're there to really be that unbiased party. And that's our hope that they are. Um, I've found it not to be that way, especially in my, my instance, which was why advocacy is very important. Something that is apart from the institution of it all. Um, so, yeah, but that's that would, would make a uh, school board effective if there was that collaborative effort between campus and community. Do you have a dog? Learn unleashed potential dog training secrets with Duke Ferguson. This free video series will get you pro training tips so you can get your dog's attention, eliminate behavioral problems, and enhance your relationship in just 20 minutes a day. Sign up at sallyhendrick.com forward slash dog training. Now, another direction I'd love to just tap into before we get back to how you can really help people. Yeah. Funding. Oh, Funding. I don't know a lot about this, but what I do know is that a certain portion of every school district's budgeting or the funding comes from the state. I don't know if there's federal money that goes to the schools or if it just goes to the state and then the state decides. But then the rest of it is funded based on the local area property taxes for the most part. And I, I'm assuming that's kind of across the board, but maybe it's different state by state. But if that's the case, yeah, that is so unbalanced and does not allow for the smartest kids over here to really succeed because yeah. their school didn't get enough money. Yeah. Because of where the. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Sally, uh, <laughs> this is part of what I'm talking about when I say this is a long time coming, what we're seeing, this crumble of everything, um, because it didn't just begin here with the pandemic 2020. It has been exasperated uh, and and we're seeing um, we're seeing it unravel. But yeah, so when we talk about funding, it's true that the states get to decide um, based on federal monies that are given to them. But there are schools within the districts who may be, let's say, for instance, a Title I school. Title I schools have to do with the earning income of the parents whose children attend that school. Well, if you are um, what we say below the you know minimum or income level, um, low income level is what we call it, then we're going to look at that school as a Title I school and more funding will be pushed to that school for um, extracurricular activities per se or resources to that school. So there is a way that that school can get more funding, but it is not comparable, as you mentioned, to a school in a district that is surrounded by the property taxes of homes that are much higher than that school. So if you have a Title I school, in a low um, housing area, then even that extra fund Title I money does not then make it um, equal to what is being received here. And yeah, so there's a disparagement there. And not, but not even only that, our educators, and this is what I do know, and I've worked in mostly Title I schools from in my public school career, the educators still in my opinion, makes the difference in a classroom. That is why my focus of advocacy is the educator, because I know we are the difference makers, even in the Title I school, even in the school who's the prep program that's in you know, Highland Park, if you will, here in Texas, in Dallas area. We make up the difference. We're the difference. So if, if the educator in the classroom is strong, we have what we need by way of resources. And let me be frank, Sally, we know as an educator how to do what we need to do, even with the little that is given to us. We make it work. But man, if we could have those tools and if we could have that support behind us, there's the sky is the limit, not even. That reminds me, I've got a friend who worked with a textbook company out of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And I know that that textbook company, and I can't remember the name of it, and I, I won't say it anyway, that textbook company sells the books and the educational materials to the state of Tennessee mm -hmm. or our school systems. But what ends up happening is yeah. that students will share the books or... They won't even use the books and there'll be curriculum that's put online in some sort of format and that'll be for the history class. And then the next one will be for, you know, the science class and yeah. the next one will be for something else. And I remember when my, one of my children didn't quite have the best organizational skills and yeah. maturity to handle all of the, the balls in the air. Yeah. And when we were in middle school with this child, it's, it's, I couldn't even understand where the material was coming from, from class to class, because yeah. it was a different login or it was a different system, or yeah. it's not this one that they told us, it's this other one. And if you didn't keep on top of that, yeah. it was impossible. You were lost. You, yeah, yeah. You're, 
Yeah. yeah. And, and my child couldn't tell me. I couldn't figure it out. I had yeah. to make an appointment with the teacher to go and sit wow. down and go, okay, help me. Yeah, help, help me, me yeah. understand. Because if yeah. I understand, then I can help my child, but I don't even get it. Sure. And I don't even know why. And, and what was happening too was there was so much material being put out there in multiple formats. And I was like, well, this is great because it kind of like, captures every child's educational needs yeah but I didn't know really the objective of what was to be learned in that moment wow wow so as a result it looked like a bunch of overwhelming stuff to have to go through Mm -hmm. as opposed to stick with this one method and you're okay yeah because I needed the one method and we're okay that works for my child yeah so hard. Yeah. But all those textbooks and then the math books, they <laughs> didn't even allow in this particular school for this yeah. particular group of kids. They were yeah. not allowed the login to get the textbooks. I guess they only had so many they had bought. Okay. So they used none of them. Wow. So my child carried around this big book in the backpack, mm-hmm. all the other ones all day long from one side of campus to the other, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. the upstairs, to the downstairs, to the other side of campus and back. And it was kind of a nightmare. The child never even visited the locker because the locker was not convenient to the long walks between Uh, Yeah, and probably didn't have time. Yeah. I think the child was crying between classes to get from one to the next because I would get text messages every once in a while like, okay, it's lunchtime. I'm finally sitting down and now I'm going to cry. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of discontinuity. There's a lot of um, wasted money. I mean, there's, that's a huge expense. Textbooks. Well, yeah. Textbooks is a big business. Yeah. My husband is a financial planner and um, he said, babe, if you ever want to know what's really going on, just follow the money. So yeah, the textbooks is a big business, state assessments, all this printing off of this. It's a big business. You're right. Yeah. And I think that that just clouds all of the issues and makes it 10 times worse. For sure. For sure. Well, because as we were talking about with funding and when we're talking about educators and knowing that educators are being asked to do more and have been asked to do more, as I stated, this is a long time coming, these conversations that we're having. And then when you see much like what you just shared about just an example from a parent looking in on textbook issues and the need for it or the not need for it, et cetera. And these monies, where else could they have been going but to salaries or stipends or bonuses or you name it to be able to let educators know that we appreciate what you're doing um, in these classrooms and on these campuses every day. And especially those who are really truly giving their all. I know that we don't have um, that we have a majority that are, and there are some who are not, but there can be incentive, incentives for those who are. And um, when money is being wasted, that's a big problem because it can be utilized elsewhere. Turn what you know into what you do. Join the platform with the most ways to monetize what you know, whether it's online courses, coaching, memberships, podcasts, newsletters, communities, or more. 
Kajabi gives you all the tools you need to build, market, and sell it with just a few clicks. Sign up at sallyhendrick.com forward slash Kajabi. That's K-A-J-A-B-I. So what happens when somebody calls you up and says, hey, Brianna, yeah. help me out. What's the yeah. first step? Oh, I love it. And so in the checklist, so here, here's, here's kind of a, a, an agenda of how that kind of goes. So, Hey, Brianna, um, I need, I, I know that I could use your services. I'm like, great, go ahead and schedule a schedule, get on the appointment or get, get the appointment. Let's start going. So in my mind, I'm already thinking and praying about this person because I know it takes a lot for an educator. You know, they say that educators are, um, much like doctors and that doctors make the worst patients we make the worst students because we just know, you know, we have this intuition about us and are very resourceful. So when an educator reaches out, I know that there's some things going on that they really want attended to. So what that looks like is I want to first hear their story. I got to know what got you to where we are in this conversation. Many of them share hurts with me that we couldn't even discuss, obviously. Many of them have had a great experience with education and simply know I want to just move on, but I'm frozen in my tracks and don't know what the next steps are. So after hearing their story, I go right into that checklist, that framework, and I get to go through each step. And as they're actively listening, they're looking at which of the three steps they really want us to do a dive into. Which ones resonate with them where they are in that moment? And inevitably, I get educators just pulling those three that we're going to look at a little deeper. And then from those three, I want them to push out one, one that we can take and take into our next steps together. That is for the educator who is just looking to see what next steps are and to kind of unpack all that has gone on with them. Those educators who go from that consultation move then into coaching and coaching is where we get to take those elements and really map out what that looks like day to day, week to week over the course of the three months or six months or however many um, coaching sessions that they want to engage in. But then I just become that person that walks alongside them in that space and encourage them, hold them account accountable, challenge them and charge them to what I know that they can do because of who they are. So that's what that space of time looks like with me. If you're interested in hearing more from Brianna, also known as The Educator's Advocate on Instagram, TikTok, you name it, then visit her link tree at l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash The Educator's Advocate. She's got a 20-page ebook called Mrs. T's Cup of Culture in both English and Spanish, and she hosts seminars online. Do you ever help anyone who says, I want to go through this process, Yeah. but instead of the outcome being how can I leave or yeah. where can I go or what's going to be next, mm -hmm. how can I stay oh. and it be okay? I love that. I love that. I've had conversations where we talk about how can I stay? And here's my thing. When I hear an educator saying, how can I stay? I already know you're halfway there. You, you have already accepted the fact that I feel that I need to stay but I just know that things are not looking good on the horizon. And I tell them, frankly, it's not looking good now. 
And I don't believe that it will. And I have to be honest with them in that space, just looking at the landscape. Um, I feel that there's an intentional turning over that is happening. So I want them to know, listen, if you have the grace to stay in this space, no matter what's going on, because there are some things coming down the pipeline, then stay, do what you can actively put in place those boundaries that you know that you can make your time, your time and the job's time, it's time. Just do the things that you know to do to keep yourself isolated and insulated, if you will, from all that is going on, because the gifts are still there. And if they're wanting to stay, I encourage them to do so. People do this in regular careers too, not just in teaching. They take on too much. They let it overwhelm them. They think if they gave it to me, then I'm expected to do it. And I need to do it because I want to get that raise or I want to get that promotion or I want to do whatever. But what ends up happening is that that person maybe gets more efficient with what they're doing. Maybe they create great systems with it, Mm -hmm. or maybe they don't really know how to do that part, that process improvement part. And they just really are tapped out all the way. Yeah. And they just can't take one more sip. Yeah. No more sips. No, no sips to give. No, no, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> no more to yeah. yeah. Is this the time when teachers really do need to say enough is enough? And yes, I may walk out the door and you're going to have to hire two people to replace me. Yeah. Or. I'm, this is it. The buck stops here. And this is my boundary. Here's my threshold. And then the administration is just going to really have to do something. The sad part is, is that what happened to you was you were reprimanded for it as opposed to being respected for holding your boundaries. Yeah. And you know, what's unique about what you're sharing is I was on the forefront of people coming in with boundaries regarding um, their experience at the campus level. And mind you, mine was unique. They threw away that whole thing once I left because it was just, it it was um, interesting to say the least. But now what I'm seeing is that administration, even at the district level, they're coming in with this well, this, these wellness activities. They're really trying to check on educators and make sure that um, at least the educator sees them supporting them in those ways. And I'm like, wow, that is fascinating that they're now getting a chance to see that that was needed all along um, during those years. But yeah, there, there was reprimanding and that was happening there. So you gave those two examples and you said the one on the one end, show me, tell me that again. You said on the one end, I, I'm, I'm done. Or on the other end, what was the second one? I think it was like, you know, I, you finally reached my boundary and you're, you're either going to have to come support me to, for yeah. me to be able to, for us to be able to get this done, or you're going to have to hire an additional person because if I walk out the door, you're going to have to. Yeah, hire yeah. Two. yeah. Okay, good, good. So Sally, both is happening. Both is happening. And um, so you have that individual who, who knows they're done. They were done back in December. They, they are just holding on. They were done when they came to school in August because all through the summer they were racking their brain and now they're just holding out because they have missed the mark and now they'll have a penalty if they were to resign or retire during their um, 
you know, their contractual hours. When people are done, I'm telling you, they're done. They'll leave on a Tuesday. But then there are those, like you said, hey, I'm not afraid anymore. And I'm going to set my boundaries because I know an, an educator in the classroom knows when they tell you to come in and do X, Y, Z, you know, you can get the same outcome with ABC, you know, and um, if the outcome is what we're looking for, then allow me the autonomy to do it my way. That's on my time, you know, and all of that. The outcome is what it is. So we know how to uh, make that adjustment. So both, to answer your question, both is happening. And I'm loving, though, to see the second in play, because I feel that educators having a voice and speaking up for themselves and not having this sense of these things are happening to me and, and you know, this victim position, I really... Um, I'm enjoying seeing this profession act more like those who are in other professions that stand up, you know, um, in, in other like private sectors. And so we really need to adjust our mentality and behavior in that way. And sometimes it's a matter of confidence and yeah, saying, you know, am I being wimpy by not being able to do this or am I standing up for myself and being strong and not doing something because I know that this other way is better. Now, yeah. when it comes to the schools being squeezed for all of these different things, there's so many, I, I almost believe that a lot of these state laws that are happening where they're really squeezing the teachers and squeezing the teaching and what they can teach and what they can't teach and all of that. Yeah. I think it's almost like this is noise to rattle you so hard that you're going to make a better system in the process, but you're going to be broken down all the way to the core first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was talking to, um, you mentioned critical race theory at CRT earlier and, um, Here's here's what we know. The states give standards for the educator to teach um, at their, you know, respective levels, classroom level, whatever grade level. And so these things, as you mentioned, are noise. But I'm I'm looking at it like this. When you see all of these pushouts and um, these initiatives, especially that are coming from district level and or parent complaints saying, teachers, this is what we need you to do differently. I'm, I'm feeling that there is a true push out that is happening, that is wanted to happen so that the new come in and see what's happening now as their reality and always has been experienced. There is no going back to any of the old way with the new teacher. You can see it even across state levels and districts where they're giving bonuses to teach first year teachers whose income is um, exceeding even some of the uh, teachers who have been in education for uh, many, many years. And so I'm really believing that they're okay with this push out that is happening and these changes that are being made. And when the new come in, the new crop will say, oh, this is just the way we do it and have always done it. So I'm interested to see. I'm keeping an eye out. I'm hopeful that something better does come out of it, but there's a lot of pain to go through before yeah. that happens. Yeah. It's kind of like that volcano that destroys everything, but then you see all these little sprouts that start yeah. to come up and the, yeah. the, the fauna and all and everything that comes up comes with that. Um, 
ends up creating a whole new horizon. And, and it, that's the case, though, in so many systems around the world right now. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's why um, people ask me, Brianna, why not so much so an advocate for education? No, that's why I really want educators, persons who have dedicated their lives to in the service of children. I want them to know, I want you, the educator, to know that whether you're remaining in the classroom or whether you're deciding that this particular career path is no longer the one that you're going to engage in, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And more than that, you can thrive in a next, in your next season. That's what I want. These persons have... um, the world of education is such a unique one that I really just want at my heart, the um, educator to do well. I want them to win. You're definitely the educator's advocate. <laughs> well, Thanks, so many of us who have these bleeding hearts trying yeah. to help people, <laughs> it's really hard. And yeah, we do want to save education as well, but it's, yeah. How that happens, I don't know. Something organic is going to have to happen. And I think that that's probably what's happening now. Who has the right solution? I don't know. But obviously, there's a lot of things that need to be looked at, focused on, cleaned up, pushed out, started over. Mm -hmm. And we need to get rid of uh, get rid of a lot of the rules, if you will. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of um, ideas on the horizon. Um, there are a lot of ideas in the air, let's put it that way, of what could or what will happen. Of course, the educator, in my mind, is at the heart of it all. You have a great educator in a classroom, our, our kiddos are going to be just fine. Um, but, you know, there are those who want to take those monies and give them to parents to be able to go and educate their child how they want and where they want. Um, So that's an idea that is, of course, out there. But there are educators who are starting their own privates and charters that are out there. You know, so there's just a lot of of ways that this can fix itself. I'm hopeful as well, but it's a system and it's a money making system as it stands. And so those who stand to make the money right now are going to try to hold on to it as much as they can. But it's at the cost of people. And we're in the people business. We know that any educator that's that's close to the children, the closer you are to the children, you understand that this is a people business. And so that's where my heart is. It's for the educator, not necessarily the educational system itself. Well, I really appreciate that. I like your perspective on that. Yeah. Wow. We could talk about it forever, I'm sure, because there's so many people to dive into. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. If you had, okay, here's the last question. Okay. If there was a utopia. Oh, I love utopia. When it comes to all of this. Yeah. What comes to mind? Oh, what comes to mind is freedom. Um, the, the, I'm looking out of a window here and I see the outside and the spring, the evidence of spring, right? I see what was once dead coming to life again. And without getting too deep, um, this whole weekend just reminds me of those things. And I'm the utopia that I would see are educators, children, parents, 
working together for the holistic um, approach to child development. And that's at the primary and at secondary level, because I don't care if they're eighth grader or 12th grader, they need some of those same elements of care and concern that happened even in early childhood education. So I would see all of these things removed that we have added that have to do with um, the rhetoric and um, the noise, as you mentioned earlier, and we can go into the details of these academies because we went to school for teaching reading, but it, just the extra that it's been given, strip all of that away and allow educators and children to do what they do um, in that classroom where students learn and teachers teach. Well, thank you. I love your perspective. And let's wrap this up. Everybody, yeah. please go check out Brianna Henderson at theeducatorsadvocate.com. And thanks for listening to Shout Your Cause today. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for listening today. My name is Sally Hendrick. Be sure to visit our website for show notes and more information on how you can inspire others. If you would like to contribute content to our magazine, please apply on our website at shoutyourcause.com. 